what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> we usually do one, two, three, but we switched it last time. So I like I like the countdown one though. All right, that's fine. Countdown. That's fine. That's all fine. Right, all right, three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we take your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I'm your co-host, Mike Booch, and I'm so excited to be joined by my co-host, Ty. Hey, what's going on? Remember, regardless of whatever of the many platforms you might be listening to us on, that you can find us on social media at Twitter at PolitipopPod, Instagram at PolitipopPodcast, or email us at PolitipopCast at gmail.com. And always remember to find our show notes and sources at PolitipopPodcast.wordpress.com. Something new is happening here with us, Ty. Do you know what it is? No, I have no idea. All of our catalog is on YouTube. <gasps> I know, I know. It's also on Facebook, but more importantly, it's on YouTube. So Facebook. Those people who's into what? What is Facebook? What is that? I'm not familiar with it. I've never heard of it. <laughs> but if you are one of those people who's into YouTube like I am, please make sure that you head to our uh, our channel of the same name, the Politipop Podcast, where you can like and subscribe. You can uh, punch that bell straight in its dirty face if you want to get alerts whenever we post a new video. And you might be asking, well, if I listen to you guys on a different platform, why am I going to go to YouTube? Well. Let me tell you this. We are now posting exclusive material to YouTube that all those people listening to the podcast aren't aren't going to get. So Oh my god, I I haven't even heard this exclusive material. So this is pretty wow. Top That's secret. right. Well, well yeah, uh, last week we released our outtakes on oh the YouTube god. channel. So if you want to if you want to laugh with us and not just cry with us and get mad with us like we normally do, <laughs> yeah. then head o- head head over to YouTube. We're going to put all the outtakes there and uh you know because I don't have to like there's a little b- b- behind the curtain magic right here because I don't have to put them on the end of our regular episodes. I don't have to worry about how many outtakes I cut out so I can keep all the stupid shit and ah. those will make it onto YouTube. Uh in addition to uh exclusive stuff, we are looking into making a patreon once our listener base gets there and uh if you have any perk ideas like stuff that you would like to be rewarded with for for supporting us with your with your hard-earned money then uh please let us know uh you know email us at politipopcast at gmail.com and uh also just want to let you know that our write out songs probably aren't going to be a thing anymore sorry to disappoint you ty that was the best part uh i don't know if i'm going to be a part of this anymore well, we'll see what happens. I'm going to see if I can hopefully negotiate uh, your contract next week. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the write-out songs, like if they're natural and they make sense with the episode, I'll put them in. But other than that, I, I don't really want to force them in. Uh, also, whenever we upload them to YouTube, it becomes a copyright thing. And, and uh, you know, I have to like make sure that they mute exactly just that part. And it kind of breaks up the episode in a way that, I, that I'm not a fan of. So uh, if we're not doing write-out songs on certain episodes, please don't fret. It's uh, it's just uh, just something that uh, that that we gotta do, okay? Yeah, maybe maybe one of the perks is we'll we'll sing you a song. I like that. I like uh, us singing the songs uh to people or along with them. We could do a karaoke jam over Whoa. Zoom, um, or we can also make our own Politipop podcast playlist. <laughs> the oh. playlist, if you will. 
And uh, on this Polita playlist for all of our Polita pop heads, our Polita people, uh, if you can call them that, <laughs> is uh, I'm, I'm, I just became a marketing genius right wow. now. Uh, <laughs> You're on fire. Sell t-shirts that just say Polita person. <laughs> on it. I'm a Polita person. I'm not person. really involved in politics. Well, guess what? I'm a Polita person. That's <laughs> yes. what I do. That's how I identify. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so just wanted to update everyone as to what's going on with the channel. Now, we are ready to get into Lovecraft Country. If you haven't watched any of Lovecraft Country, probably don't listen to this episode. There will be <laughs> detailed plot spoilers. If you haven't listened to our last episode about Lovecraft Country, then, well, do that first. Listen to the episode where we cover one through three, and now we're going to be covering episodes four through six. Yes. Are you ready six. for it, Ty? I am so ready. Awesome. Uh, d- did you have plots for these episodes as well? Uh, no, I didn't have like specific plots for each other. We didn't do that with Watchmen, Good, fuck so em. I, I yeah, didn't do it for this. So. Good. We don't need. I don't know. You gave you gave pretty deep. Oh, you gave just a plot for the series itself. When we yes, yeah, which I did okay, last episode why. for Lovecraft. So yeah. Okay. So um, it's 1950s at the height of World War One, according to me as a historian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there's uh, it's it's a. A, a, a wild amalgamation of, uh, of of Lovecraft characters and different tropes and supernatural and different genres and horror and adventure, all all thrown into the backdrop of uh, 1950s uh, Jim Crow America. Now, episode four is uh, is a very different genre than I expected. This is kind yes. of like an Indiana Jones episode. Exactly. That's all I could think of watching this episode. Okay, and I didn't love it for that. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't me. It was also part D&D uh, campaign to me as well. <laughs> yeah, I see uh, that. But that, that's when we get to the fun stuff. At the beginning of this episode, we see that Montrose, Atticus's father, is, um, I guess he's read this book uh, that was given to him by Uncle George, uh, his, his late brother. Wasn't the book supposed to be given to Atticus, right? That was, that was why he gave it to him? Was that it? I, I'm pretty sure the, un- the uncle gave it to him for, for Tick, but the father and chose Montrose not is- to. Yeah, we see that he's making a series of decisions in which he thinks he's protecting his son, uh, but he's uh, he's not. His son. <laughs> you know. Oh, that's right. That there's also that possibility that it's not even his son. So, uh, but we we get some really interesting stuff with Montrose. And correct me if I'm wrong. This is the guy who uh, was in The Wire, right? Uh yeah, and Boardwalk Empire's Chalky White. Oh, that's. I, d- yeah. I didn't. I haven't watched Boardwalk yet. It's worth it, right? It's a. It's a very good show. It's not perfect, but it's very good. All right. All right. I've. I've heard nothing but good things, and I really. I haven't gotten a chance to see uh, Steve Buscemi's, uh, like, chops. You know what I mean? I yeah. It's. It's a very different stuff. role for him. You would expect like a much more mm, attractive leading man for this kind of role, and and Buscemi kind of yikes steps into it. You know. Wow. And, uh, How about we job. say conventionally? Conventionally attract. Gosh. Yes, I'm sorry. But Steve Buscemi has a very specific look. At one point, both he and Angelina Jolie look the same. So think about that. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, but Michael Kenneth Williams, who is um, in, in that and, and does play Montrose in this, is a fantastic actor. Uh, everything I've seen him in, I loved. I almost met him on the set of a music video I was shooting, which would have been really cool. But his uh, his aunt died or something like that. So he wound up having to fly home, which was a bummer. Man. Yeah. Oh, that would have been awesome. A little, little personal the, story there. The closest I've come is doing a, a short with a, with a couple of actors who were on the wire nice uh, so 
Yes, and uh, one of them was on the wire, I think, once. The other was on maybe three times, and uh, wow. I'm not sure they had any scenes that, that crossed over uh, with with him. See? Who did he? Who did, he played Omar, right? That was the character. Uh, in the wire. I believe he played Omar. Yeah, Omar in the wire. So, uh, but he's not, he's clearly not playing Omar here. But he's really putting on an acting clinic. He he's great. Uh, he now now so he's read the book, which are like the bylaws of this cult of Adam or something. Yeah, uh, and he seems to be losing his mind over it. Uh, he he then burns the thing, I think, to try and keep Atticus away from all this magic stuff, um, knowing or not knowing full well that the entire series doesn't happen if Atticus doesn't go into yeah, his magic yeah. shit. And, and, so, you know, he's he's clearly story. drinking. He's he's erratic. Um, and well, when he's burning these books, he he says out loud that uh, uh, it smells like Tulsa, which I thought was a, a great little little moment they threw in there what did you think that meant uh i mean you know we covered Watchmen and we talked about the the attack on tulsa oklahoma i'm I'm assuming that's that's what he was referring to i mean that's what i thought he was referring to but i wasn't sure if there was something deeper (laughs) under there i was like there's no way it could be this interconnected to another hbo property (laughs) right there's no way and uh but you know, I mean, all the but it's a real event, you know, that could have and yes, yes, it is. This character could have been directly affected by that. We don't really get much of his backstory, um, you know, here, so we don't know. But you know, he very well could have been affected by Tulsa. It, it could be a memory that has stuck with him. He obviously has some very uh, deep trauma, you know, when it comes to racism. Right? He he doesn't want Tick reading books by white people. Um, he, you know, he 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 is very very much against white people, and, and for I'm sure he's been been Good through it. Him for it. You know, yeah, he's he's definitely had some du- difficult situations. So I'm I'm done I'm done with them too. All the yeah. all the books yeah. they write, they're like the best guys, and it turns out they're not. Yep, yep. I might have been a little stoned while I was watching every one of these episodes, but <laughs> everything uh, that we last, review. <laughs> um, last night more so because it was just after the debate. Yeah. So I started watching this episode after the debate. Uh, <laughs> I know that there is, and we'll talk about that in our separate housekeeping episode this week. Oh, I guess there was something else I should have mentioned at the beginning. We're doing our housekeeping and our podcast episode separate. So, <laughs> yeah, lots of changes, lots of changes. We're you yes, know, we're developing. We're 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 becoming something new, better. Hopefully, do you see? This is us posting <laughs> our videos to YouTube. Did you see? <laughs> this is us transforming. <laughs> uh, this is Mrs. Leeds guesting on my podcast. Do you see? <laughs> listen, it takes a lot of time and effort to work on these things. So Jesus, we're, we're doesn't just, it? Right? We're, you know, yeah. we, we appreciate you listening and, and we ask you to just bear with us and work with us on this. Yeah. And I actually wanted to save this for the end of one of our episodes, but I, I need to fit it in now. We have people in Denmark and Australia and Germany and France listening to us. That's pretty incredible. What do you get out of this? Like that's <laughs> they're just please. like America is fucked up. That's that's yeah, what like, they get. <laughs> please reach out. That must be it. They're like, oh, this is more entertaining. You know, it's just as entertaining as you know, as like MSNBC. Uh, but like, but seriously, like, like I, I, we want to know because whatever we're doing to get your guys' attention, it's working, and that's great. And we also have people in the UK listening. What yeah. do you get out of this? Yeah, <laughs> please reach out to us and, and let us know what you want to hear more. You know, uh, obviously, I feel yeah. like we've been catered to to Americans because we're, we're American. But you know, let us know what you're looking for, what you want to hear of, why why you're listening, and uh, I'm, I promise you, we will respond and we will listen. Uh, yeah, like because because you know we do we are very uh, you know 
U.S. Uh, centric, but yeah. like, but you know, ha- have we known more about like Europe and stuff like that? We could have brought that into our into our V for Vendetta episode, which yes. obviously related to like you know the fascism we're falling into right now, but at the time was a critique of Thatcher's London. So yes, yep, exactly. You know, uh, but yeah. So so getting getting back into it. There was a, there was the, why did he end up going on the quest in the first place? Like, like, oh, they had to get the pages of Titus and Titus was the descendant of Adam from that mansion or something, right? Yeah. Okay. And he was having, he had some pages written in an ancient language. I guess it was Adam's language. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole uh, lot of Adam's stuff. He's just Adam. <laughs> this is this is where it gets kind of like muddled for me, and I, I don't know if it's because I'm thank losing you. interest thank or you like so, I think it it's because you were losing interest because yeah like muddled I, it for me. <laughs> I don't care so much about that stuff. You know what I mean? Like I I care more about these people's like individual personal stories. You know about how and you know and, and the racism they're experiencing and, and and the trauma they're dealing with more so than than like you know. The blood of Adam and and this ancient secret—I don't know. It's uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely it's, weird. It's kind of like they're trying to do like the next level of supernatural. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Like, yeah, obviously because of the nature of the podcast, I think we go into it looking for the lens of uh the the angle of racism and everything. We're looking at it through that lens, so. You know, for you, when you said, like, oh, like, Cthulhu and all the UFOs kind of took you out of it, it didn't take it out of it for me, but now a lot of this stuff is. So, so yeah, yeah so they need to go on this journey to get the pages of Titus, and Titus had uh, these pages from Adam of the Bible. Uh, uh, right. And um, and they were being translated, and w- w- we find out later by whom, uh, but, like, so, so they have to go get those, and I think I think they have to get those because that that white woman the mysterious white woman gave letty that money and asked for a favor in return like that's what she does Christina, so the favor right? in return yeah. i think yeah Christina and you can correct Braithwaite. me if, Braithwaite, yeah uh the the majestic white lady and um <laughs> so so they go and uh and they, so like you know, they, they, they go on this journey right because uh montrose has the answers but he won't give them to tick like that—that's kind of what sets this whole thing in motion, actually. Um, let like Letty comments on that. She's like, "You had the answers, and you're gonna make him go on this like this whole like adventure because you won't tell him." Uh, because I think Montrose refuses to admit that he's read the book, that he knows all this information, and it's not until they're on the journey itself where they have to decipher certain clues and solve these puzzles that Montrose knows the answers. You know, he starts. He's, he's like he knows what to say and and, and and all those kind of things and you know tick is a little taken back by that because he, he doesn't understand why his father knows this stuff at this point and in case I forget to mention it later I do want to mention that I do like how there's always this callback to educated people being successful that like for just as much muscles as Atticus has he also has brains and yeah you know between him and George and Montrose like all of them being able to be literate and read books has gotten them through the uh you know, through through these situations, uh, I think it's interesting to see that role reversal uh, because normally in in groups like that, it would be like the woman who's the intellectual. Think uh, Harry Potter by you know uh, our our hero J.K. Rowling, <laughs> um, J.K. Fucker. But um, <clears throat> but like 
you know, she's actually the one who who gets through this being bold, which is normally what you see the men do. The yeah. men have to be yep. bold. But Letty is actually like the, you know, the the boldest of all of them somehow manages to also be the coolest, like the coolest head in the room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of tension. Yeah, there's a lot of tension between Montrose and Tick. You know, they they uh, had a very rocky relationship, you know, as Tick grew up and, and has come to a head here. Uh, and, and obviously Montrose has some deep anger that he got from his father. Um, and, and now Tick kind of has that anger too. And we see him kind of explode a few times uh, through these episodes. Uh, there was there was one thing that that Montrose brought up when when they were having their meeting at the bar that I thought was good. He uh, he told Tick to forget about all this grand wizardry shit, which I thought was like a very obvious KKK reference. And I, I just thought it was a good line. That's what that's what it, uh, it it said to me too. I was like, "Yep, like it is so interesting." And we'll we'll talk about it in our housekeeping episode too. But just just a little taste is how like you know these white supremacy groups want to be taken so seriously, like in their mission, and they had the most ridiculous names: the Ku Klux Klan, knowing Klan is misspelled intentionally, um, and uh, you know the the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. And uh, the, they're like a fucked like, up D and D group that you're fighting, you know. Yes, like. yes, they are. And and you know, even in the clan, you have the Grand Cyclops and the Grand Wizard and the <laughs> the Red Dragon Wizard. Blah, blah. Do you see? You know, like you have all these <laughs> all these ridiculous fantasy pop culture references, and it's like, yeah, are you a D and D group or are you a you know? All right, like you know, I believe that black should be eradicated as a <laughs> level twelve barbarian with the uh, totem warrior path of the wolf. Uh, I can confirm that oh these blacks are going to taking our jobs. Maybe that's what it's like. I don't know. Maybe it is. Who knows? If it is, uh, roll for deception. <laughs> roll, roll for racism. Oh, that was a twenty. Okay, great. We got to stop all the black. Imagine if that's how they decide on all the stuff they're doing. Like, wow, that's that's <laughs> how you get promoted. You have to roll. You have to roll a nat twenty. Cletus, goddamn it, roll a d twenty. We told you <laughs> for the last time. Oh. It's five d six. It's plus your well, <laughs> plus uh, your superior <laughs> genes modifier. I mean. And speaking of the KKK, um, you know, if you look at the roots of the police, uh, a lot of it is is rooted in the KKK. Many members are are police officers throughout history um and, and in this episode we also see christina is taken in by the police who are members of the same you know secret adam society and yes uh, i noticed that also you know and i think that was another you know like oh like they're very similar to the kkk they're they're everywhere yeah they have like a lot of dark secrets be, like it might not be the clan exactly which people might might love people who hated watchmen might might love this because it's uh, you know a little more subverted it's like yeah that's what i've been adjacent. hearing yep. yeah it's it's clan adjacent and uh and i was like oh shit of course you know they're connected of course they are they have people right in the police force um, can I talk about Juneteenth real quick? Yeah, of course. Because uh, it was just a dropped line, but a, a lot of a lot of Montrose's dropped lines seem to be very specific. To uh, <laughs> hey, uh, can you get that out of the vending machine, man? I've been trying to emancipate from proclamation this Coca Cola bottle, <laughs> but a lot of his revenue, you know, it smells like Tulsa. Uh, you know, he has to tie a knot to Letty as she's going across the. Uh, the same, the same uh, chasm that Indiana Jones crossed in the third movie, The Last Crusade, uh, except she can actually see the plank that she's crossing, 
and 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 she's like, oh, "Are you sure about this knot?" And and he gives this whole bit about how like you know this knot was passed down through through his family for generations, and and how the person who invented the knot was a slave, and and he was you know he would be whipped if any of the horses he tied down managed to escape because his knots weren't good enough. And he said when Juneteenth hit, he walked off that plantation without a single whip scar on him. I was like, oh, that was. Awesome. It was a great I thought it story. was the coolest thing. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Juneteenth was, it's the, it's the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the ending of slavery in the United States. And uh, it was uh, when Major General Gordon Granger landed at Galveston, Texas with news that the war had ended and that the enslaved were now free. And this was two and a half years after President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah, it was not so, so, the next day. <laughs> yeah, which... that's that's pretty fucked. And you know uh, that that speaks so much just to like the whole mindset now of like gradual change. It's like, oh well, you know, like they waited two years. Like, oh, you're just gonna have to wait for things to go your way. It's like, no, like th- things things that have to be changed like can't just get a little less bad and then a little less bad the next year. Like they gotta stop right away you know you can't some things you just can't do in in moderation i think that yep. uh you know this this historic event is 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 very similar you know those two years were probably hell for those slaves but you know but oh but they they were free they just didn't get news of it like you know get the, get the yeah i mean can you imagine they were free that whole time and they were just living as slaves you know for for no reason because they hadn't gotten the information i mean two it years is, of never getting is, back of their lives right yeah yeah uh, so there's this uh, <laughs> there's this moment in which uh, you know Atticus while that while Letty's crossing the beam uh, says uh, <laughs> says the freemen were never slaves I mean which I guess is right in their name right yeah and uh, yeah. <laughs> and he goes hey she's crossing isn't she and I, I love that I thought that was hilarious <laughs> Montrose um, is an interesting character I I really like really him I, I I really like his addition to to this little group. Um, you know, he, he I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say he's the most likable character, but he's definitely he definitely uh, is interesting. So, it, yeah, that was that was a great moment. I like the little the little scenes he has with Tick like the, like that. Yeah. And uh, he has a lot of moments right now where he's like he's really, you know, loud. He's got a lot going on. His, uh, you know, his son is now crossing the plank to help to help Letty because there's a, a, a booby trap there swinging blade. And and he's yelling at Atticus and like the guy kind of yells all the time. But I feel like when he's yelling now, it's it's more out of concern for his son. Yeah, uh, I think that it can be confirmed, you know, like he ends up he ends up jumping uh, to the plank and it's up to Atticus, who for all intents and purposes, like hates his father. I mean, he's begrudgingly being around him. I know exactly what that's like, but he still decides to let his father like he catches him on this plank and they all get across together. They're all helping each other. I don't know. It's really great. It was really emotional to see that while he's being angry, he's at least like expressing and he's so loud. And, and just to see Montrose that way was, yeah, because he seems a little more reserved and quiet and, you know, kind of like angry, pensive, you know what For I mean? For sure. And then when they get to the end of the rope, right, there's, there's another like seal or door and they have to solve this puzzle. And Montrose knows the answer because you read the book and, and, you know, he gets to be the hero kind of in the scene, which was great you know and, they, and they're all happy to have gotten across together and they're all huddled, huddled up it, it was a nice moment yeah yeah i i liked it and and oh he he dropped some athletes not uh, name i think and he was like oh you know he ain't got nothing on me like the way i made that jump like you know it was, <laughs> it was nice um you know of course uh we do find out later on that uh that there's there's like a a, a trust issue here 
uh, where, you know, but when Atticus is like, oh, you couldn't have known what that combination was unless you've read the book. And, and you know, they're having it out. Uh, they end up finding this, um, uh, you know, like th- this this kind of submerged cavern temple thing. And this is where I said it was kind of like the D&D thing. Like, oh, you <laughs> yeah. see a body float on by in the middle of your bickering. Do you inspect it? Yes. Okay, you walk in, there's stalagmites all over the place, and there's a door <laughs> with an arm hanging out of it, floating in the water. Like, like it seems it, very deep. It, it actually felt very Resident Evil 4 to me, like, uh, like oh, the latter yes. half of the game with, like, the, the, like you go the, in the mine trap and, uh, you know, the swinging blades and, like, going into the mines and, like, oh, yeah, all, like, the yep. secret cult and shit. I, I was it. like, wow, this is very, <laughs> very video gamey. It, 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 re- it really was. Wow. Um. But yeah, so they end up, uh, you know, solving this puzzle and they find the pages of Titus, but not before they discover that this area is kind of a tomb. They go into the ship, it seems, that that has a bunch of dead bodies. One of these bodies comes to life. This is after Tick has to use his own blood, right, to get through? I'm assuming because of Adam's bloodline, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, that probably explains why he lived and the other person who tried didn't. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so so the, one of the corpses comes to life and and actually takes form like back to youth again, and uh, and we see this this Arawak uh, person uh, who is uh, who's known as Yahima Marakodi, uh, also known as uh, Two Spirit. And can I just talk a little bit about uh, Two Spirits and native culture because this, yes. this took me on on a. Uh, uh, a rabbit hole uh, down a rabbit hole and i was like oh wow this is this is pretty cool and um you know I, i'm i'm gonna keep mentioning it as i listen to it so hopefully the listeners just put up with it uh i'm still listening to uh people's history of the united states and like just the more i learn about like all of the traditions we have versus all the traditions the natives had and like basically all of our traditions were just brought here by a bunch of religiously weird uh, white European people. Yeah, like that, accurate. like that's that's it. And like you know the na- the natives had so much of it right. Just the way in which you respect the land and you use it and you don't own anything. There's no such thing as private property. Everyone shares. Everyone takes care of each other. That's that's where it comes from. It takes a village to raise a child. Like you know like nope. every everybody is is everybody's um, brother, sister, you know, son, daughter, husband husband to a point you know uh wife like 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 things were much more casual and and you know the way we have society now is just because it was imposed by colonizers but that being said because there we do talk about all these all these issues where there were uh you know where where we have transphobia and xenophobia and um you know and we talk about how like uh i'm not sure if we've mentioned it but how trans people are uh you know like the the most marginalized of all individuals, the trans people of color are, and like, you know, how they're never brought into the media when they're, when they're constantly getting killed and stuff. And, um, you know, the Blackfoot, uh, the Blackfoot tribe had, uh, like several words to describe these individuals. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce them, but, uh, one of them was, uh, acts like a woman, like, uh, based on historical accounts of individuals who engaged in homosexual relationships, or there's also another word, which is a male homosexual. There's another word, which is manly hearted woman. There's, uh, from the Cree, uh, uh, Cree. Uh, I don't, I don't are they the same as the Creek? I don't know. Uh, I'm not but, sure. you know, a man who dresses as a woman, a woman who dresses as a man, a man dressed or living or accepted as a woman. Uh, like, and that one might not have been a respectful term, but like all this stuff has been around for such a long time. And there were, there were already terms for them back then. So like, it, we shouldn't be so surprised and upset about this stuff now. Um, 
but uh but yeah so they do they do find a uh i don't want to say like a woman with a penis because uh technically i, I suppose this would be a they uh yes. but they yeah. they do find um yeah uh, a beautiful womanly featured individual uh you know it's 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 more likely a woman the actor was a woman and um, yeah, and they refer yeah. they refer to her as 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 she although i have seen a lot of really cool theories online uh, about about the nature of uh, Yahima, because while Yahima isn't directly like, as far as I I found in my short research, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, anyone out there, but like I found that uh that like there's not a specific native mytho like mythological creature named Yahima, hmm. but there are two spirits. Um, which if, if yeah, if if anyone has anything to prove me wrong, please let me know. I'll throw it into the show notes. I'm absolutely I'm absolutely fine with that. Um. But uh, but yeah. So it turns out that Yahima was the one who was, uh, was translating the pages for Titus, and then, in being rewarded, they were. Was it a reward? Why exactly were they locked up with their relatives, or what was it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they did they make that clear. It it seemed like I, I think um I just remember them saying. Like, oh, I was supposed to be reunited with my family. I think that was it. I was supposed to be reunited yeah, with my family. To be, yeah. I refused to continue translating the pages, so I did get reunited with my family, and they were killed, and then I was left here to stay with them as they were dead. There you go. Uh, so, so, yeah. Um, you know, so they... And, and then they also say that they're not going to help Atticus, which completely changes in a little bit. Uh, you know, they end up uh, having to escape. They're all going to drown and stuff. Uh, the, the, this was this was pretty cool. You know, it's always it's always cool when people have to like escape underwater because you might be trying to hold your breath with them or something like that. It's really stressful. Um, uh, but what I thought was interesting is if you look back at this scene, you can tell that like you can see the surface of the water. <laughs> so like it, like Letty like she's struggling to get the the Titus uh, papers. The Titus Papers on NBC this fall. She's talking about <laughs> yeah. the Titus Papers, and then all of a sudden she, like, she could have just lifted her head up and gotten air and then gone back yeah, well, down. No, like, man, it doesn't work like that, all right? <laughs> um, it, it was basically like uh, like the set of The Floor is Lava uh, that they had to get through. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they were finally able to make it back home. Uh, uh, and there's this really sweet moment between Montrose and Atticus. Did you note this? Did you want to talk about it? Uh, I did not. Uh, so, so yeah, Montrose tells Atticus that, uh, you became a really good man in spite of me and I'm really proud of you. And, uh, and Atticus like was a, this is key and peel level acting because it seemed like, you know, you could tell that he really wanted to cry. He was really emotional, but he just couldn't let himself be vulnerable in front of this man who's abused him so much. And it was really like, it was heartwarming. It was sad. It was bittersweet all at the same time. Well, like it's a nice moment, but it doesn't mean he forgives him. You know, like you you can you can have a nice moment with someone who has hurt you and and not be over the the hurt they've caused. You know, like yeah, I yeah. Think. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention is that uh, when when they're going too fast for Montrose earlier in the in the cat in the dungeon, um, <laughs> you know he uh, he asks Atticus. He's like, oh, you know, I thought you were taught in the imperialistic army never to leave a man behind. I love yeah, that, that was too. great. Like he is so much like for, like Black Brotherhood, yeah. like you know, like two seconds away from wearing a dashiki and preaching. Like, uh, bro, he's and, joining uh, the Black Panthers for sure. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, and uh, oh, also we we walked over the fact that Ruby had a sex scene. How did you feel about this, Ty? I wanna. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm fine, but I just think that, that like it's just a common HBO thing when there's like a sex scene in every literally every episode. I think has a sex scene. 
Like, has every episode of this had a sex scene? I I and know definitely so four, five, and six do. That I uh, so th- this one I actually I I like the ones that like aren't traditionally hot people getting it on. I mentioned yeah, in yeah. episode one how you know there was an older couple, and then this one you have uh you have now this is the guy who was also back at that. That William, with that, William, right? yeah, who's, yes, who's William, Christina's so. close friend and confidant, and yeah, super white Aryan looking brother. Yeah, uh, he, you know, he ends up uh, hitting on Ruby, and you know, they have an interesting back and forth, which we'll go into a little bit later on. Yeah, uh, but yeah, well, he, like, like it's, imp- I think it's, it's also important to talk about the fact that he goes to her, uh, her bar where she performs. You know, he goes to to her side of town. And, and approaches her, you know, with with the utmost confidence. He, you know, he's not he's not acting nervous or intimidated, or, or you know, he just goes in there and and you know he puts the moves on her. And oh yeah, he's an evil magical Bible man. He has big dick energy all over <laughs> I would too if I were an evil magical Bible man. Uh, but yeah, he you know he goes to her and is you know you you can't tell if like you know he's trying to offer her something that's more than just dick. And uh, I mean, as we as the viewers know this, but Ruby, this is her first interaction with this guy. And uh, just a reminder to the listeners, Ruby is the uh, the sister of uh, Letitia, of Letty. Uh, and she's the you know, she's like the great singer and everything. And uh, yeah, so so the thing that I that I liked about this scene was, you know, it, it, it did seem like really like just they, they went for it. And he's like this skinny white guy with this, you know, with this fat black woman. And I thought it was and I know like there there are better terms, but I myself am fat. I, I love fat women and I don't I don't use it as a as like a bad term. I like fat doesn't mean bad. It's not something you are. It's like a way your body kind of looks. It doesn't change you as a human being. So um, just explaining that right now before anyone thinks I'm fat shaming. But yeah. And 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 it was like, they're just banging it out on the steps. I was like, oh my God, look at him go. I, I was like, oh, I was blown away by it. Uh, you know, the scenes where it's like Atticus and Letty, I'm like, okay. Like, you know, those are two like, you know, conventionally attractive individuals getting it on. Um, yeah. And like, I'm not, not saying like, you can't uh, do that in a in a movie or a TV show. It just feels like it's like the HBO special, you know, like <laughs> Game of Thrones <laughs> did it. Uh, Westworld does it. I mean, you, you, you know, even 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 Watchmen had a couple a uh, couple of scenes. I think I think uh, I definitely think that Game of Thrones and and Westworld are. What's the word I'm looking for? Egregious? Gr- no. Gratuitous? Gratuitous. Thank you. Yes. 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 Very, uh, very, very gratuitous. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll get into a gratuitous scene at the end of episode five as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we also, we also find at the end that, uh, that Yahuma, while she's, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, while she's trans, sorry, while Yahum, while they are translating these papers, um, we have a bunch of Reddit theories as to what's going to happen in the future with this character. Um, Montrose slits their throat, kills them. And it's like, yep. what? Uh, he apologizes, so you know, just putting that out there. <laughs> yeah, he uh, says sorry. But like, there are theories like, oh, like people are saying, I hope this isn't the last we see of them because you know when we first got introduced to the character, they were dead. Yeah, so, so like, what's to say they can't come back? And maybe the blood of Adam can revive them. Like we don't, you know, we don't know. Yeah, it's a mystery to see what they'll do with Yahima because like while these characters look human, we got to remember there are a lot of characters who aren't actually human. I honestly have no idea. I I really don't because I feel like. <laughs> Every time I think I have a grasp on where they're going, the, the show just takes like another ridiculous turn. And I'm just like, 
that's a good point. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, Next one. I, we're going to talk about episode six in a little while, which was my favorite of the series. But yes. like, it really throws a wrench in things for like what I my expectations. So, I oh yeah, know. when they introduce Naruto, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll. Uh, <laughs> yes. But um, yeah. Now now we're on uh we're on episode five, uh, which I like to call Where Whitey, and um, <laughs> because instead of being a werewolf, Ruby has become a were-white woman. Yes. And um, and at first I thought it was just because she laid with William, but it turns out that there is a potion that, that William has created, uh, has con- concocted, and uh, she's able to drink it and turn herself white. So now we get to see, like, you know, uh, a, a, a portly black woman become a, a thin white woman and see what privilege that, that, uh, that gives her. In, yeah, in yeah, and and, and and right in the opening, you know, it's obviously she's very, very confused and 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 not sure, you know, what to do, and she winds up, you know, wandering through town, and uh, you know, obviously it's a black neighborhood, and and and, and all of these people rush out, but they're not angry, they're not, inti- they're offering to help her, you know, they want they want to help you, like, are you, ma'am, are you yeah, lost? Cause, and because how would she be there, like, like yeah. in her right mind, why would she be in this black neighborhood? Yeah, and, and she winds up, you know, she's she's very erratic. She's freaking out, and the police show up, and what do they do? They assault a, a black boy that's there who clearly did nothing wrong, and she even is trying to tell them that. Yeah, he bumped into her, and the cops were like, oh, and she gets to experience the power of white lady tears firsthand, which yeah. she, was, she was very put off by at first, um, you know, but we'll we'll see how she feels about it as the episode progresses. Uh, we also find out that um, that well, Atticus also finds out that Montrose killed Yahima. Uh, he says that that they're just not there anymore, and he doesn't explain any more than that. But Atticus knows, and he is like beating the yeah, ever loving <laughs> shit. He's pummeling his Adam father Montrose right now, and I can't say whether or not I'm for it, but I definitely understand it. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, like he was probably going to kill him, yeah. and Letty, yes. you know. Yeah. Screams for help, gets some people to break it up, uh, and, and she's obviously scared of him. She sees this anger, uh, and it frightens her. I think I think she either grabs a hammer or some other tool. She grabs a baseball, a bat. baseball bat, right, right, and and she goes down to talk to him, and, and you know he he's you know he's screaming, he's 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 like you know he's very angry, and then there's this moment where he sees the bat in her hand, and I think he realizes that he's scaring her. And that that frightens him too, and he kind of rushes away. Yeah, because you know he is his father, and I think he's very aware of that. We we go into it later in the series, and uh, you know this episode and the next episode. But he he very much is afraid of becoming, as we all are, uh, and as we spoke about in the Lord of the Rings episode, he's he's yeah. very much afraid of becoming his own father. And uh, you know he, he catches himself once he sees what he's doing to Letty, and uh, and he you know he leaves. So it turns out that Ruby, uh, with this, with this, uh, with white guy William, white boy Rick, white boy William, is, uh, <laughs> you know, she's she's able to become a white woman. And while it's kind of off-putting to her at first, she then uses this white privilege to to achieve her dreams. And yeah, it's kind of intoxicating to her, right? She keeps using oh, yeah. it and using it. Yeah, and this it's so funny how like people are born with this every day and don't realize how good they have it. But yep. she's there, she's getting free ice cream cones and stuff and she's like being accepted and uh and I think that she is even starting to to develop a kinship with the white people she's with. She she goes to get a department store job. Uh, the department after, store job that she's wanted yeah, the for one so long. Yeah, she's wanted. 
And even after, and she, what's interesting is she got so jealous when another black woman was hired for the role. And I want to note now, like, is it because of body image? Is it because she's more conventionally attractive? Because she is a much thinner, leaner woman. I definitely was, think that's what they were hinting at. You who know? Was, yeah, and they didn't say, I really, with, with, with all the stuff they beat you over the head with sometimes in the series, I wish that was something that would have been mentioned. Um, you know, because uh, cause we, we do see that, like, in a lot of our media, it's always, like, either, you know, like, our entertainment and our movies and everything, it's normally when when fat people are getting together, it's always the two of them. Like, it, it's only people, you know, overweight people can be attracted to overweight people. Or it's usually, like, the, the woman is lean and the guy is larger. And, yep. you know, like, that's what we see in all of our sitcoms, all of our cartoons, you know, Family Guy, The Simpsons, stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, that I, that's also a part of why, like, you know, William and, and Ruby spoke to me. But also here we do see that, uh, you know, she's wondering now, like, what was it? And especially because her resume is stacked. She's so overqualified for this job that even the manager tells her, like, oh, well, you know, I, I hope you don't take my job. Ha ha ha. Like, she yep. has all these typing courses and all this other stuff. And this is her trying to be twice as good just to get half the recognition. You know, which is, you know, which is the classic, uh, you know, the classic speech that that a lot of black people get. We spoke about it when when I had Josh on on our Get Out episode. Uh, But but she, you know, she's she's become so much uh, so overqualified to this point. Just have somebody else who's technically underqualified get the job. And and it's interesting how this develops some infighting between them. Yeah. Well, you know, she she definitely she approaches this this other black woman that's working there and. She's a little haughty with her, right? She she definitely has an attitude, and she's talking to her, and she she discovers that this this woman didn't even finish high school, right? She didn't even finish seventh grade, or or that's as far as she went. Um, so you know, you said super underqualified. She is, or you know, she really there's no reason she should have gotten this job where where Ruby should you know couldn't. Um, and it definitely it upsets Ruby, uh, you know, and 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 she she definitely doesn't treat her the way maybe she should. It is interesting how so most of the time Ruby interacts with her. Uh, Ruby is white at this point, and it, it's such an interesting dynamic because Ruby is talking to her black woman to black woman, but Tamara only sees her as a white woman. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like she's just going hard on her because of her race. And I think in being around these white people, she learns she learns that maybe they aren't so bad. She starts thinking that for a little bit. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, like maybe like, Oh, if you, if they don't hate you, they're actually really nice to you. Look at how white people treat each other and stuff like that. Uh, you know, as long as you're not black or or a vulnerable person, but like, remember like, what is a person? If, how can a person be judged if not by how they treat the most vulnerable individual, you know, like, yep. You know, like we have, uh, you know, like people who are famous people who are animal abusers and stuff like that. You know, that's, you know, when you treat people, when you treat beings and individuals who can't defend themselves, like, you know, that's how you should be judged. Not like, oh, well, he was on a on a talk show and he was super nice. Um, yeah. And well, you know, and you said that she's she's starting to actually enjoy being around these white people. But but little by little, they, they reveal kind of their their inner darkness. Right. Like the manager mentions that he didn't even want to hire, you know, a, a black woman. 
but the the company forced them to right they they almost have like a quota they have to meet where they have to hire people of color um you know she starts hanging out with the girls and and talking with them and you know one of the girls like you know i really hope they don't they don't hire any more of these negroes right i'm just saying what we're all thinking uh you know or at least one that's qualified but then but then they they talk about how they want to go to the south side they want her to take them to a bar and and they, they treat going to to a black neighborhood like it's like Going to like the zoo, yeah, like it, it, like they're like, I like oh, the, we're the g- zoo analogy was better. Y- but yeah, yeah, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go and and spend some time with them and and see what they like, and you know, and it's like this like great adventure for them, uh, you know, and. I think Ruby's kind of trapped between Great Adventure, which is also an amusement park. Damn it, you're right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and Ruby's kind of trapped between you know being a black woman uh, who who has dealt with racism and and trying to fit in with this crowd, you know, and and uh, and and she, you know she kind of talks about how she's been to the South Side and they're all really impressed. Like you've been there. And she's like, yeah, it's nothing special, you know. Don't worry about it. Like, come on, let's let's go there. So. She, they convince her to, to, you know, to get them over there. To, to, well, they convince Tamara. Yes, yeah, Tamara. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Not able to convince uh, uh, Ruby. You're right. You're right. Yes. Or Hillary. <laughs> yes. Or Hillary. Yes. White, white, <laughs> white, white Ruby is Hillary. Yes. Yes. Um, I, before. Does she have hot sauce just, in her bag? You think? Or uh, I, I'm not sure if she does have hot sauce in her bag. Swag. Uh, but I, th- this this job in in general, they actually they is the backdrop for Cardi B's money. Like they still continue yeah. playing modern music during this period piece, which, which I'd like, but when they started playing it, I thought she was going to go shopping, but we do find out that she still just wants that job. Like that's her thing. And you know, it's interesting how, like how this idea has really penetrated our, our psyche and our, and, and our subconscious, how like the, the idea of having a job is what gives you status. Like you're only based on your earning potential. And like, this is, you know, once again, it, it was a, this capitalist idea was brought here, and that's why we have it. But it's actually, like, not natural, in my opinion. I don't think it is. And, uh, and you know, I was just blown away by, like, the fact that her idea of success is just, I want this job. Even though, who knows how, how many, how, what lengths she can go to with her with her with her newfound whiteness which they portray very well they portray it kind of like a drug because she is to keep drinking this potion lest she have a you know a, a landis style uh werewolf break out and then she comes out of herself as as ruby coming out of a white chrysalis it's yeah. very gory and it's uh makes your skin crawl and it was very cool i think yeah, it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> very, very, yeah. very violent and over the top. Yeah. It was, it was pretty um, wild. Oh, and also before they're going to, before they go to the South Side, they're actually talking about that. You know, they're talking about it in the department store. They're listening to Tutti Fruity, and it's not the Little Richard version, by the way. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Which, which I thought I thought was interesting. And then later on, when they go to, and we don't have to talk, we you know we could talk about this in a sec. But later on, when they go to the the backstage of the drag show that they're playing the little richard version of 2d oh nice it's, yeah in a black neighborhood i was like oh, that's well, great yeah. um but yeah so uh also did you did you get pissed by the fact that like black people aren't allowed to go into white spaces but white people can go into black spaces with impunity yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty fucked up <laughs> right you know it's uh just a number another reason for for why things are are so unfair for for people of color. Yeah, 
Now, now, what happened with um with this whole thing in the closet? I'm not sure I quite got it. When uh when Ruby finally has to pay back her favor to this guy William. I don't know. I just think they're they're a crazy cult. So they had a guy tied up in the closet. I don't think they, we ever find out yeah. who it is. You know. But also the the one guy who was like part of the cult. He he had a black body. I think he had like when he took off his shirt, it looked like he was a white head on a black body. It was so weird. Yeah, de- definitely some like so get out up, shit going on. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> up to some some pretty nefarious shit. Uh, we also um. I, I want to talk about Ruby's arc, and then I want to go into Montrose. I'll yeah, if we'll, we'll, we'll finish up Ruby. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, Ruby actually seems to have developed feelings for William, right? You know, and Christina uses that against her. She's like, if you care about William at all, and she she tells a sad story about how you know William uh, was was left for dead, and and the people on the ship did it to him, and you know she can help help him get revenge because they don't know that he's still alive, and you know this whole this whole sob story, and and Ruby does help, you know, because she's starting to to develop feelings for him. Yeah, and uh, and in paying this favor, she has to be a, a caterer basically yep. at uh you know a server at this super secret uh bible club and uh, and she has and, to be black to do it right she can't be hillary yes, yes exactly she can't do it as hillary she has to be black to do it and um you know i think it was a, a nice little reminder and uh and there's this really great moment so so she ends up uh you know going into this room and i i is she trying to get something i think she, maybe she is uh, yeah she has to, she has to steal something for yeah for she has to steal something christina for william, for william whoever whoever yeah, yeah. she i mean christina yeah, the one to ask her to do it yeah yeah uh so but in doing so she ends up getting like uh kind of ambushed these guys walk in she hides in the closet where there's this dude there like gushing blood or something yeah, out of so his neck. ridiculous he's tied up he's got all these scars on him and everything and and she's freaking out she's in there with him holding his mouth so he doesn't make noise and she's like, like gagging right so yeah she doesn't throw up yeah and uh and then she sees this dude come and get me a shirt i'm sweating and uh, he takes off his shirt he's got a part black body and then he puts the other shirt on i guess we'll go into that later but like you know then the next day she uh, she as Hillary has that with Tamara and she's like she's like listen like you know you got to put in a lot more effort if you're going to represent your race and you know what she you know is telling her like you know like this is kind of what she did as Ruby like you know if you want to represent your race you got to put in a lot more effort into your job you know because guess you know you can't give them a chance because white people are so much more fucked up than you think they are like she's <laughs> mad she's like mad at everyone at this point like she's mad at just life I think she's yeah. mad at herself for being mad at Tamara and then mad at Tamara and then but mad at white people because like like oh like this is these are the people you want equality from these are the people you want to fit in with these are the people you want to be respected by knowing what what other fucked up shit they get up to um i i I thought it was i thought it was awesome and uh i'm not sure if they use ruby's actual voice or you know if if this woman was just doing black voice uh, to imitate ruby's actor but i i thought it was a really great scene um when they finally do go to the south side uh we you know ruby she she decides you know what i'm not going to drink this potion and she decides to uh you know uh go become ruby again and as she comes out of this you know this chrysalis she's covered in all sorts of viscera and gore it's really gross yeah i was i was wondering how she was planning to like clean herself off so she could go back to the party but yeah i guess she didn't want to go back to the party it gets a little spoiled what does she see behind the alley uh she's the manager uh attempting to sexually assault tamara right Yes, yes, she does. And like, and 
you know, it has to be a fetish thing for him too. Like he can't just be attracted to a black woman because he's attracted to her. Like it has, he's like, oh, I've heard it smells sweet. I've heard it's great. Let me Ugh. smell it. Like really fucked up shit from this guy who like is ultimately believed to be a very passive and docile dude. Like he's never made any passes at these white employees of his. And, you know, it's probably because he knows he, he would get some comeuppance. He could do whatever he wants to a black woman and, you know, not not have to suffer for it. Yep. Um, you know, she ends up punching him, running away. He calls her an N-word bitch, I think. Drops yep. that hard R. And, uh, you know, of course, the next day, Ruby, as Hillary, uh, decides to seduce him. And I did think that she was going to choke him and make it look like an autoerotic asphyxiation. That's where I thought it was going, too. That's what I thought. Yeah, guys, watch the episode to see her whole setup. Uh, but long story short is she allows herself to become Ruby during this uh, little affair that she's having. And in doing so, sodomizes, she rapes him. Uh, yes. She sodomizes yeah. her manager with her, with her high heel uh-huh. as she's turning into Ruby. And uh, and and she, man, it, what, what a powerful moment. Yep. And, and uh, you know, it was... And she tells him, like, I want you to know an N-word bitch did this to you. Like, he doesn't know what to fucking think. Yeah, so what is he going to do? Tell tell people that, you know, this white woman turned into a black woman and sodomized them? Like, who's going to yeah. believe that, right? You know? So yeah. so he's he's fucked. <laughs> Literally. Oh, he, he is. We we did kind of skip over um, the final moment. Final moment of Ruby, uh, it reveals that, that uh, William is actually Christina, right? So... So this whole time, uh, William has been Christina in disguise um, during sex with her. Like, my girlfriend turned to me and was like, you know, Christina raped her in, in a way, you know, because she she was having sex she with She wasn't who she, she said she was. Yeah, yeah. you know, like, uh, she was literally a different person. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fucked up reveal, honestly. But it just shows, yeah. you know, Christina is... You know, Christina has she she constantly mentions you know power and and you know uh, you know how to use it and, and you know again she is a white woman but she still is being held down by the fact that she's a she woman still is a woman and, and, and she has she wants to yeah so she's gonna use whatever trick she can to take back what belongs to her um, and, and you know so she's created this this persona of of William this this handsome man that that people respect so that she can get the respect she deserves and you know what. Ruby might have been into it too. Like, she I might have. Like, Ruby seems pretty cool. Like if she had just said from the beginning, "I'm a woman," uh, but you know, but also like, ma- like maybe not. Like Ruby from the beginning couldn't have gone to that department store and gotten a job as a black woman. So who knows what what Christina would have been capable of if she never became William? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was wild to see that she was a wear man while uh, <laughs> Ruby was a wear whitey and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um wear white woman. www where white women.com um, which makes you wonder could christina like have the- just made herself into a black woman or man to go to that party herself i mean maybe i don't know like, like, i don't i don't know how it works if we look at the late if we look at the inherent white supremacy of this organization why would they why would they go down you know what i mean yeah yeah like you know, as as a white man you can have anything you want and i think she kind of went went for that true uh true. you know why become a you know why become a black man when you could you know th- yeah. this is the logic of the character guys i'm not especially <laughs> yeah good, good, good call on that um it also oh really quick it harkened back to the original dr doolittle books also by the way there's oh, a really? black character who wants to be made white and that's one of the things dr doolittle does that's right he's told me that when you yeah, get into your dr doolittle face white face and blue eyed yeah he's a very problematic protagonist and honestly 
I would be down to have an episode on that later on too because uh, those books are pretty wild. Yeah, fucking Eddie Murphy, um, am I right? But yeah, so as she's having this uh, moment, cons- you know, coming to terms with her identity, we see Montrose is also coming to terms with his. He visits his bartender, uh, his not bartender, his bar owner friend that we saw in a previous episode. I think it was the first episode, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, Who we uh, know is gay right from the first episode. We see him. Yes. You know, having having sexual relations with a man, and you know that's not the secret. Um, but the relationship yeah. between him and Montrose is. Yeah, and Montrose, he's all beaten up, and I think at this point, like, after being beaten up by his own son, like, he, he is very vulnerable, and and we see, like, so he doesn't just fuck this guy, like, they make love, and, like, you know, like, I mean, they do fuck, don't get me wrong, but, like, they're also, like, re- like holding each other, kissing each other and everything, like, and uh, and it was it was such a turn to see, because, you know, stereotypically, we... Uh, we relate feminine, uh, feminine features to homosexuality and not masculine features. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not saying those stereotypes are right, but an individual like Atticus's father, it makes no sense, but it makes all the sense at the same time because of all this pent up aggression he does seem to have. Yeah. And this, I mean, this made me really think about his character more, you know, he, he was with Atticus's mother, um, and Atticus may not even be his actual son, so like he's lived such a lie of his life, right? Like he 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 couldn't be openly gay. Um, he's been a father to a child that may not be his own. Like I, it definitely makes you like realize he's had a very troubled life, and you know he has a lot of these pent up emotions that he hasn't been able to express. Yeah, and uh, we we see this cut, like I mentioned before, when Tutti Frutti's playing uh, Little Richard version, of course uh, that. There's this whole club where all these drag queens are there, and it's all these guys, and you know, kind of, kind of made me think of just like how, you know, the, the black community and the queer community, how they are so intertwined. Despite like there is a stereotype that that the black community is is very homophobic. Yeah. And um, while that stereotype is kind of true it's also true for the latino community for the christian community for the white community like everyone's fucking homophobic yeah, like, like let, let's be honest it's, it's everyone versus the lgbtqia plus community so um <laughs> so but yeah it is interesting to see all these men of color who are also drag queens some of them some of them might be trans as well so i don't want to misgender them accidentally yeah uh but they're they're like you know having this party and everything all of all of uh their friends are making fun of sammy and montrose because like they don't actually show any affection to each other and for all they know those guys are virgins and they're not even hooking up or whatever but like but there's just a scene where they're all dancing and the music's building and and montrose finally gets out onto the dance floor and and he's dancing he's being brought up and he's being kind of like baptized born again like we have all this glitter falling on him and and like he's got this like uh you know this very thin fabric pink shirt and and he finally pulls sammy close to him and and kisses him in front of everybody and uh and it is i don't know it's just this really this this incredible moment like you know it it was i don't know it was great to just see like that release of yeah know, obviously just being open about an it. earlier scene but the, <laughs> but there's a different kind of release <laughs> well this, this is you know this is in front of people this is him accepting yeah. uh himself right and, and and to think about this is the 1950s right so um homophobia is at an all-time high um, racism is still at an all-time high and to be both black and gay uh you know what what kind of the cards are just stacked against you so much at that yeah. point 
Like um, Will Reeves from Watchmen. <laughs> yes, like Will Reeves from Watchmen, yeah. Also, is, this, Watchmen, is this Watchmen? Is, <laughs> it's it's got to take place in the same universe. Got Tulsa? Oh my God, maybe it's Will Reeves. <laughs> oh my God, he's like, oh, it smells like Tulsa. And then when he grows up after being Atticus's <laughs> father. Well, Atticus was a military man, right? Yeah. Maybe later on he fights in Vietnam. Holy no, you <laughs> just don't match up there either. No. But um, that, I, no, it's pretty wild. And um, th- this did remind me of kind of like how the, the intersectionalism of the black uh, and queer community, when we talk about like pride that we celebrate every June, uh, the first pride was a riot. And it was started when a, a, a trans woman of color threw a fucking brick at the cops. Like, you know, so so the, these communities are are intertwined, and I do like that they you know that they uh, that they show that. Oh, speaking of intertwined communities, uh, Chicago, along with New Orleans and a few other states, uh, or you know, uh, New York has Brooklyn, I think, is a huge one. Uh, those have a, uh, a history of uh, of voodoo practices uh, brought over from from uh, I think Haiti and stuff like that. So yeah, just did, wanted to correct did, that. We did mention, yeah, uh, yeah. Last and... episode we were like, Oh, by the way, but it is in the show notes and sources. So if you read those, I did include, I did include that information there. You know, I, listen, like I, I always say, misinformation is deadly. So whenever we're wrong, we're going to correct it. Anything else to mention about episode five? Um, I think the, the last thing is that tick is able to translate some of these papers, um, and, and he is very disturbed by what he finds. Right. So he, he makes a phone call, um, and he calls somebody in, in Korea. Uh, and, and it's, you know, it's kind of a mysterious scene the way the, the episode ends. Um, and, and kind of leads directly into, into episode six. Yeah. And this is where I would just want to talk about what you and I were discussing. So, uh, before how, it's always the third tier characters that are like the best characters in this show for some reason. Like yeah. once I got back to Atticus's story, I was like, okay, whatever. Like I, I loved, yeah. I loved Ruby's story. I love Montrose's story. And in this sto- uh, story, I love Gia's story as well. Yeah. You know, let, let's get into it. Turns out that she is a woman who comes from a poor family in, in uh, Korea and uh, she loves movies. She loves American movies, which some people uh, call American propaganda, and yep. and they don't they don't like her for it. But she she absolutely loves uh, she absolutely does love them. Yeah, they she, they inspire her. You know, she's watching Judy Garland and Meet Me in St. Louis, um, and and you know she she imagines herself dancing up and down the the aisle of the movie theater, singing along, and you know it it definitely awakens something in her. That you know, when when they come back and she's not up singing and dancing, you can see there's a loneliness, this this emptiness in her that she she, she needs to fill. But Ty, there is an emptiness that needs some filling, and it's something her mom wants her to do. She but her mom doesn't want her to be a dancer. What does her mom want her to do? She wants her to go and bring men home. Yes, and uh, and we're wondering we're wondering why. Why and, and we we're led to believe it's because they're a poor family. The only way they're going to bring honor and income into the family is is through her getting married. She actually is a nursing student, uh, and she wants to uh, get her degree and and believes that's going to be like you know what brings honor to the family. That's going to be what brings income in. But you know, oh no, it's got to be a man. And uh, this takes a turn. Uh, I see her when she brings the first guy home, she lights this candle and then all the candles in the room light up. And I'm like, okay, so she's a yeah, witch. Yeah. Then as she's having sex with this guy and he has the most amazing vinegar strokes ever, 
uh, we find that she has all these tails, which look like hairy tendrils. They yeah, I thought, they were, I thought they were spider legs the first time. That's what I, I thought, too. It. They look like tarantula legs, right? Yeah. Uh, they come out of all of her orifices, all of them, and they, they <laughs> get all this guy's memories. They steal his soul and then kill him in a bloody explosion. Yeah, he literally so pops like a balloon. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, no, she's a Korean sex demon. So I look up Korean sex demon. Turns out that this <laughs> year there was a 24-year-old kid in Korea, an adult, uh, who was blackmailing women and minors to do violent sex acts, and then he was distributing them for money. But he has been captured. <laughs> so the Korean sex demon has been captured. Um, oh, God. Yeah, it's a real fucking thing. Holy um, shit. <laughs> But not to be compared to this sex demon, uh, which we find out a little more about later. But this is more like Hellraiser. We find out that she actually has to bring home a certain amount of men, kill them, yeah. and steal their souls through sex in them. To and, become a human. And, yeah, and that's how she's going to uh, become human. Uh, yeah. We also see that uh, while she's bringing men home, Korea is bringing Americans home. Because we, we <laughs> yeah. had, in post-World War II Korea, we have North Korea is occupied by, I think it was the Soviet Union, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so South so Korea after World War II, basically, um, you know, Japan was defeated and Japan, they they owned Korea more or less. They had taken control of them um, and annexed the country. So uh, now that they were a possession, it was almost like a reward for America and, and uh, the Soviet Union. So they decided to split it evenly. So the Soviets took half, North Korea, and America took the other half, South Korea. And that was like their their reward for, for freeing them from Japan, um, in which they both instilled, you know, a, a dictator in, in both of them. Um, one one that was, uh, you know, an American-approved dictator and one that was a Soviet-approved dictator, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, it's common practice, whatever. Yeah. This is usual, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so we do find out that this is when the Korean War starts. America's trying to uh, stop the spread of communism, uh, which is which was also their whole thing with Vietnam and all this other bullshit. Basically, any communism anywhere is a threat to capitalism in America, apparently. They always have to go and destroy communism yeah. wherever it is. Uh, so, yeah, and, and basically they go there to, quote-unquote, protect Korea, but at the same time they are uh, committing war crimes, they're doing terrible atrocities. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting how, um, how, like, we see this in a lot of our media, you know what I mean? Like, when I was talking about the Five Bloods, they talk about how uh, all the fucked up stuff that was done in Vietnam trying to fight communism. And we talk about Alan Moore and his opinions on, on capitalism. And we talk about, uh, you know, George Miller and, and, like, all the socialist themes in Mad Max. And, like, the more we analyze this stuff, it's pretty clear that a bunch of our favorite creators are actually communists or, at the <laughs> yeah. very least, Socialists. I, yeah. and I think I think it's just because communism is a dirty word that we've been raised to believe is a dirty word. But they're 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 trying to be, to be true. To yes, and they're being true communists, not not this uh, false dictatorship. You know, fake version of it that that we've seen. Yes. executed in, in places like you know uh, Russia and North Korea. Yeah. So that that was a, that was a very important distinction to make. Uh, so, so yeah, so Atticus was among these Americans who were performing these terrible acts. Now, he might not have been doing them, been doing them, but he was definitely party to them. And, uh, and we can't, we can't ignore that. And, uh, I mean, he does them. He, we literally well, see I him. I saw him with, I saw him holding the woman that they were tearing her teeth out, but. Yeah, but he, him. he murdered, <laughs> he murdered that nurse right next to Gia. Oh, that's see, her first time. That's her he's first the one time. Who seen, shot her? 
Yeah, because they go private. Okay. He walks up, I he look, shoots her in the head. I looked away for a sec. That's and he bad. was going to shoot her. He was going to shoot Gia. You know, like he doesn't even remember her. You know, she doesn't forget his face, but he doesn't remember her. She's just, you know, another communist sympathizer. Yep. Yeah. He calls him a commie sympathizer, which, you know, she later calls him out. She's like, do you even believe in that shit? Like, yeah. I mean, Tick uh, volunteered to come here. He wasn't drafted. Yes. He he yeah. wanted to come here. Yeah. And he was uh, he was trying to get away from his father. And, you know, we do discover that while he's, you know, while he's being nursed back to health after an injury that uh, that he really tried to get away from his father. But he's aware that this war has brought out all of his father in him, all the worst things that his father bestowed upon him, his violence, his, his, uh, you know, sociopathy has been brought out in, in this war. And, uh, yeah. and it, it is interesting to see because this, this is an episode about two monsters recognizing the humanity in each other. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have a lot of similarity. You know, he says to her when, when they talk later on, he says, you know, you went to the movies to get away from everything, from everybody. I stuck my nose in books. I guess it just got to a point where they didn't take me far enough away. So he had to go. He had, you know, he had to do something else. So he joined, he joined the military and he came here and unfortunately it, it ruined him. You know, it broke him. Yeah. And it, it, it was interesting to see him try to be like, cute kind of try to be adorable and and charming despite all of the stuff that 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 he's done and um, you see both you the know, best and worst versions of him in this episode yeah, and it made him such really a better did. character for it i think yeah I, I i i definitely agree i think um you know we have people like that in real life right like like you know we know people who have served uh, you know, we know uh, a person or know people who know people who are cops and stuff like that. And it's like all of this is in those people. They have yeah, done terrible things, yeah. but they are also like they also have families and they also have hobbies. And some of them might love to read, you know, books like Atticus does or comic books. A and like, you know, you got to think. You know, do you know, how do we feel about Atticus committing war crimes? Do we Like, obviously, Atticus is the main character, so we don't want anything bad to happen to him. But I feel like if stuff did happen to him, it's it, I'm not I'm not upset with that. Like, yeah, well, it, you know, it shows, you know, yeah. that people aren't perfect. Right. And, and I, I felt this episode took a really interesting viewpoint on communism because they kind of paint the communist as good people in this right. Like, like they're uh, the victims. Their businesses yeah. are getting shut down. They're being hanged in the middle of the streets. Um, you know, it, it, historically, I, you know, from what I've read and, 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 you know, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of Koreans who did support communism, they wanted actual communism. They didn't know it was going to lead to, to what we have today in North Korea. You know, they, they really wanted that, that, that equality that, you know, that, that fellowship that you get, um, with, with communism. And, and unfortunately they didn't, they didn't get that. Uh, but they were really suffered because, you know, you have American soldiers coming in here and, and, and brutally torturing you. And, and it, I mean, it's, it's, it's really horrible. And, and Gia's mother, you know, comments on the American soldiers. She's like, you know, they raped the very women they're here to protect. You know, she, she talks about how they're monsters and that's just the constant theme, right? Like people are monsters. Uh, you know, Gia says to her mother, you know, you want me to, uh, kill like a monster to become a human. You know, to bring these men home and kill them to become human. And, like, even though she is technically a demon, she knows this is wrong. Right? Like, she, she can recognize it, whereas her mother can't. Um, and, and it kind of shows you that, you know, even this, this, this fox demon 
while she doesn't have the same feelings and emotions as, as a normal human, she does. She still has a moral meter and she still understands right from wrong. Um, she still has hopes and dreams. Uh, and that's something that Tick really awakens in her. And so speaking of this fox demon, we find out that Jia is actually a Kumiho. She yes. uh, was unfortunately a, a victim of her, her father assaulting her when she was younger. So uh, It wasn't her father. I think it was her stepfather. Oh, was it her stepfather? Yeah, I okay, believe it was see. her stepfather. He, right. he had married the mother and then quickly moved on to her. Okay, yeah. So he moved on to the daughter. Uh, in order to, to take care of this, the mother brought her to, what's the technical term for this woman? Uh, I have no idea. Korean witch doctor, and she summoned <laughs> a demon, uh, a, a Naruto, uh, the QB. Uh, no, she summoned a Karama. The thank you. <laughs> yeah, Karama. That's right. Jeez, a lot of fox demons in our pop culture. Um, she summoned our Inuyasha. No, just kidding. He's a dog demon. Uh, <laughs> the the but, fox but, demon in Naruto is named Karama. So uh, just saying. But that oh, would so be Karama might be the original. But that is a Japanese term. Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, and and <laughs> and when we talked early in this episode, they said that the Japanese were erasing Korean history. Yeah, because because I don't uh, think it was World War Two. They yeah, well, the Karama. Well, yeah, well, Jia went to uh, to a speed dating, um, uh, you know, session, and and she was she was dating this guy, and she was talking about her favorite American movie, and he was like, the Japanese spent almost forty years eradicating our our heritage and our culture, and now you're eating up American propaganda. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, okay. Kudos to him for sticking to his guns and turning down, like, an incredibly attractive woman, though. Yeah. Saved his life. Um, it did. It did. <laughs> but, yeah, so this demon uh, through is, is designed to get vengeance, but the toll that has to be paid. So, clearly, next time the stepfather went after, he got torn apart by this fox demon. Uh, but but yeah. they have to get 99 more souls. You have to get 100 souls in order for this demon to leave your body and and for you to become human again so that's the big argument between her and her mom is like her mom wants the daughter back uh that used to be there and uh and and she uh you know she's trying to come to terms with the fact that like she's not that daughter anymore she actually is 99 other people as well because she keeps the souls of these individuals in her until they're until 100 have been attained and fucked to death so you know she she's an amalgam of all these different things but yeah, I think like what's interesting is she does know who she is, and she's listening to her mom tell her that she's not a human, that she is a monster, and 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 all. Well, of the the first guys. person who really recognizes her is her friend, right? Her her communist friend. I think her name's Youngja. She, you know, she's Which the first person. I did not see coming. She she that shows she her be a friend. Yeah, like I thought you thought you, she seems kind of mysterious, like she's gonna use her or, or hurt her, but no, she really does care about her and, and she shows her love and friendship and you know, she she has this great quote, um she says to her at one point when when uh Gia mentions, you know, being a communist, she says, There's nothing wrong with being different. What's wrong with uh what's wrong is is all of them vilifying us for it. And I thought that was that was a really great quote, you know, because you look at the world around us and and people are so different right and and anytime you are you you are kind of vilified you're you know you're a socialist shame on you you're you're gay or trans shame on you you know like anytime you 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 start to show you're different than what they people can you know perceive as the normal or or you know what you should be they they want to attack you and 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 just make you out to be something you're not uh, and they're really the monsters, right? Not 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 the people that are the victims of this of this abuse. Uh, and, and I think you know 
even though Yangjo is just a communist and and Jia is a a fox demon, um, there still is this camaraderie <laughs> there, right? Heaven. Yeah, I mean, there's still this yeah. like, hey, we're both, you know, we're both considered outsiders, um, and, we, and together, you know, we we can have this friendship. Uh, and of course, until Yangjo is murdered um, by by the American soldiers. Yeah, and uh, while while she originally wanted to. Uh, re- avenge that uh, Gia ends up kind of getting to know Atticus a little better, and she learns about his past with his with his father, and they connect over their over their love of uh, literature. Well, his love of literature and her love of movies, which come together, and I thought yep. that that was really sweet. Um, you know, we 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 see the scene where it looks like she's uh, trigger warning, looks like she's going to get gang raped by a bunch of American soldiers on their base, and it turns out that Atticus actually set it up that that they were going to watch a movie together because she hadn't been able to see one because it was uh, the only theater in town was destroyed yeah. for being owned by she, a she has to fake being a comfort woman, which is a military sex slave that Japan uh, basically started in, in Korea. And that's how, that's how she gets onto the base. Uh, and of course, luckily it's not, not what she's going to do. Uh, she has, you know, a really beautiful date with, with tick. And she finally does end up bringing him home. And in doing so, she actually spares him. She, at first, kicks him out so that way she doesn't kill him by having sex with him. Then uh, comes to terms, you know, tells him straightforward, like, listen, I've seen the monster you are. You know, I was, I wanted to kill you for it. And we should just both uh, see the human in each other, see, see the good parts in each other, and be what we see in each other. And it was, it was so beautiful. Yeah. She's, moment, yeah. Man. She, the exact, yeah. She says, we just have to choose to be those things, right? Like we've done monstrous things, but we can choose to be better. And, and that's, that's, you know, beautiful. I, I love their relationship. I think it's a beautiful love story. Um, I kind of like it a lot more than him and Letty actually. Oh yeah. Definitely like it a lot more than him and Letty. Um, and, uh, so they do, they do have sex together, uh, you know, once regular non-killing the other person's sex. It's nice. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, after she's trying to explain what a Kamiho is to she, I think she's trying to come out to him here. Yes. Uh, you know, she's trying to explain what a Kamiho is to him. Uh, he tells her that he's earned enough points to get a new rotation and go home and not, uh, or to rotate out to go home and no longer be a part of this war. And, and she's like, Oh, that sucks. Let's fuck one more time. And when they do, her tails start coming out and trying to kill him. And she sees not only his past, but his future as well. And I have a theory as to why this happened. Do you? I'm assuming it's because of the blood of Adam. So I think that's what they're going to say. But my theory is that (laughs) my theory is that she can see a man's entire life. And it just so happened that every man she had sex with was going to fucking die. Oh, interesting. That's kind of cool. So she saw everything up to that point, obviously, because that's the end of their life. You know, this he wasn't meant to die by her. Therefore, she saw his entire life. Right, right, so, right. That's a good. I like know, that theory. So, that's cool. Yeah. It's probably not true, but I, I like it too. Thanks. But yeah, so so that's my theory. And, you know, she tells him, don't go home. And he's like, I I, I got to go home because you're a demon. So also- He's terrified of her. Talking, yeah, and they they are doing a great job once again with representing different bodies having sex here. We have a soldier and a nine-tailed fox demon, which isn't something <laughs> we, we often see in the mainstream. No, it's like no. seven-page Pornhub stuff. You know, this so, is you know. I'm glad they went there. It's you know it, that's the beautiful scene that we were time, waiting for. About time. For but that you know, it, it's so heartbreaking because obviously they love each other and she loves him, but he he doesn't accept what she is. And her mother told her this was to happen. And she didn't believe it. She thought it would be different with him. Uh, and, and it turns out her mother is right. <sighs> and uh, 
Oh yeah, then there's then there's some other ritual at the end where the mom decides to pay the pay the debt with with her own life, and uh, you know we'll we'll see what see happens if she's, if with she's the human, rest yeah. of the, you know with, as the story progresses. I do want to talk a little bit about we we briefly mentioned it you know at the at the speed dating about how um, Japan eradicated uh, Korea's culture, and I think it's it's something that I didn't know of before before the show. Unfortunately, I didn't know a lot about it, so so I did research it. Um, and, and it was it was pretty horrible. I mean, it's kind of what we did to the Native Americans in a lot of ways. Uh, so, like in 1910, really? Japan annexed Korea, right? They controlled them until 1945. Uh, they waged all-out war on their culture. Schools and universities were forbidden from speaking Korean. They encouraged manual labor and loyalty to the emperor. Public places adopted Japanese, and there was a great push for films to be made in Japanese. It was a crime to teach history from non-approved textbooks, and over 200,000 Korean historical documents were burned, basically eradicating the historical memory of Korea. Um, Japan took that most is... of the land. It's, it's horrible, right? It's like... Japan That's devastating, dude. Yeah. Japan took the land, um, and nearly 100,000 Japanese family came. They moved onto that land, uh, the stolen land. They chopped down millions of trees and planted non-native species, completely transforming the landscape. Almost 725,000 wow. Korean workers were made to work in Japan and other colonies. Hundreds of thousands of Korean women were forced into becoming military sex slaves, known as comfort women. Um, a third of the Korean royal palace was torn down, and the remainder was made into a tourist attraction for Japanese visitors. This was like their most sacred place, the biggest piece of their culture, and they tore down a third of it and then made it into a museum. Uh, Koreans were forced wow. to assimilate through language, religion, education. Shinto th shrines became places of forced worship. They had to worship the gods of Imperial Japan, such as dead uh, war heroes and emperors. Uh, and in 1939, Koreans were forced to adopt Japanese surnames. At least 84% of Koreans took on these new names. If Koreans did not take on the new name, they were shut out of their own mail delivery system and even couldn't get ration cards. Uh, but Koreans did protest frequently, uh, beginning with the 1919 March 1st movement for Korean independence, which Japan brutally suppressed. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, World War II devastated J Japan and Korea. Uh, and that's when, you know, in 1945, when, when Japan, you know, gave up during World War II, when they, they had been defeated, uh, the, the, the land was divided equally between the United States and, and Soviet, uh, Soviet Russia. Which is so fucked up because, like, it's not your land to divide. What are you doing? I, I know. I'm like, just, I'm like, what do you just give? Just put it back. Like, yeah. what, why are you dividing it? They use it as a chessboard. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is yours. They use it as a chessboard for their communism versus capitalism battle. It's so fucking yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's terrible. And it's what a tale of period, right? Though. And then and then the Korean War, which followed, you know, uh, shortly after, it was five years later, right? June June twenty fifth, nineteen fifty. I mean, it's just crazy. Seventy five thousand soldiers from the North uh, Korean People's Army poured across the thirty eighth parallel, which was the boundary between the Soviet backed. Um, People Republic of Korea in the north and the pro-Western Republic of Korea to the south. And this was considered the first military action of the Cold War, actually. Um, and, you know, d during this battle, we, we mentioned how American troops came because they, you know, they felt this was the war against the force of international communism itself. You know, if they didn't stop it here, they would never stop the spread of it. So uh, the war was a major, major loss of life. Uh, for for civilians and soldiers, over five million lives were lost. 
Um, neither side ever gained ground. They were just constantly at a standstill at this parallel. Uh, and then, you know, America realized that this was a losing battle. So they, they worked to create an armistice with, uh, with North Korea because they were really afraid that World War III was going to break out. Like everyone said, World War III is next. Um, this is going to lead to war with Russia and China if you don't end it. So, so they did. Um, and unfortunately this war became known as the forgotten war because it just got no attention. People just don't talk about it. You know, it happened in between the Vietnam war and world war two, all the Korean vets with their hats on. That's yeah, the only way I that's know it, about right? It. And the show Mash. That's it. The show Mash is like the only thing. Mash that... is the Korean War. Yeah, it actually is the Korean War. Um, and See, I thought was... Mash was Vietnam. Yeah, I like this, I thought Atticus <laughs> served in World War One. Yup, yup, and it's it's just wild, you know. And I was looking up like, why did North Korea even like? What was their reason for invading? You know, uh, did they just want the land back? They they wanted to unite the country. That was that was their goal. They wanted to united united as a communist country. Um, but and that uh, was the real threat. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, that was, and these that was, two that these two dictators threat. who owned each each side of the country uh, refused to to come together, and then you know this this needless war happened. Basically, thanks so much for that. That was uh that that was that was enlightening. I'm glad because I I actually didn't know anything about that. I'm still uh, uh as far as history goes, I'm <laughs> I'm still uh, learning about how Andrew Jackson fucked the natives. And, oh God, uh, you know, just a lot of continual uh <laughs> terrible atrocious acts happening to natives and and slaves so uh but but yeah so so th- thanks a lot for that. that that was that was very enlightening and it does it does help set the backdrop too so that way like n- you know we we know about racism in america so we know where atticus is coming from but to also hear about an individual who now hopefully will be more of a more of a recurring character yeah in the show yeah. you know i want to i want to see what what happens here? But we didn't even mention, you know, the the racism in the army, right? Like Atticus still wasn't respected. He wasn't treated well. Yep. And, and how Neither about his friend. his friend, who I think was Korean, right? But he had been born in America and raised in America. So, you know, he mentions at one point, you know, they don't accept me in America. They don't accept me in Korea. So what the hell am I supposed to do? He's like, I don't even want to be here, but <laughs> they drafted me. So yep. here he I am. Drafted. You don't have a choice. Man, yeah, that was that was another really good point that was brought up, and um, you know, I'm excited to go into more of that stuff later on because we have reviewed quite a uh, quite a quite a bit more Korean film than I thought we would review, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more for next month. But uh, when we start re- rev- reviewing all of our horror movies, uh, but you know, I will, uh, you know, I look forward to definitely doing more international stuff. We should do like a couple months of just international stuff where. You know, we see other worldviews and stuff. That'd be nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, but but speaking of which, remember next uh, next month in October, if you want to get your well, actually, it's gonna be it's gonna be October by the time this episode is released. So it's October yeah. now, everybody. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, you know, yeah, it's October. So please make sure that if you do have recommendations for horror movies, we should cover. Uh, email them to us. Tweet them to us. Whatever you need to do. Let us know what horror movies you think are worth reviewing. We already have a couple in mind that we're going to be doing, uh, but you know we're obviously looking for something that has a you know kind of a, a different lens that you can look at it through from a social political standpoint. So, you know, like Return of the Living Dead, for example, might not be the best choice uh, over <laughs> over something else. Uh, but but yeah, so uh, so that concludes our review of Lovecraft Country episodes four through six. Wow. Ty, do you have anything you want to add? I guess if you haven't watch the show and you're just listening to this episode six is a is a beautiful story so 
give it a give it a go. Yeah, yeah, I did mention off mic that this was my favorite since like the first episode. Uh, because I, I, I think it's it's just in terms of like you know filmmaking perspective and and writing, uh, it's the best episode of the series so far. Yeah, I mean, and I also appreciate a story that's not like. I, I mean, it's bold to to shoot the episode through the lens of Gia instead of Tick, right? I mean, that's you would think that it, it, that would throw you off and make it less enjoyable, but it actually it really it, it really made the episode for me. You know, I do like that stuff. That like there was one supernatural thing. That was it. It wasn't a million things thrown into one uh, one story to kind of take you out of it a little bit. And you know, I'm gonna I'm interested to see how the rest of the season goes because I'm gonna watch it regardless. And I'm not hating on the show, but that is something that like. All right, this is going to take me, you know, it'll be like Atticus's father being like, oh, what? You know, last week I had to pay 10 cents less for gas. This is a ridiculous three-fifths compromise. And then all of a sudden. <laughs> I, just took uh, a sh- I just took a bath in my Harriet Tubman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I've been saving oh, that God. one for hours. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> uh, is that a new tub man? Yes. <laughs> it's a Harriet tub man. Oh my fucking god. <clears throat> oh god. Um and then all of a sudden, you know, it would be like, oh, it turns out that Manny who he's been having sex with is actually Godzilla. Like that's something they would do. Yeah, like yeah. you know, I like the fact that, you know, it was it was just it was just one thing and it was more about these characters than it was about the lore. And that yeah. that I think is where you find the balance you need. For this to get a season two. Beautiful. Yes. You balance out the characters with the lore. Uh, but that being said, it was an absolute pleasure reviewing this with you, Ty. For those of you who uh, who sat through to the end, remember, you can contact us on Twitter at PolitipopPod. Find us on Instagram at PolitipopPodcast. Email us at PolitipopCast at gmail.com. Find our show notes and sources at PolitipopPodcast.wordpress.com. And remember that you can get exclusive videos such as outtakes and other little treats that we'll be putting up on our YouTube channel, the Politipop Podcast. Like and subscribe when you can. Remember, you can listen to us and rate and review us. Those help us out so much on any platform that you get your podcasts at. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, you name it. All right, for the Politipop Podcast, I have been Mike Booch. I've been Ty. And remember, no matter what you're watching, no matter what you're reading, listening to, remember to never stop thinking, never stop learning, and always remember to read between the lines. And scene. There it is.